Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning, good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, If we haven't met, as Andy said, my name's Chris. I serve our kids and young people here at Lagan Valley Vineyard, which means uh, I'm technically the most fun person on staff. I won't make you do chores, and I don't wear vests, but looks good on you, Andy. Um, we'll move swiftly on from that, too. Um, we're, uh, we're so glad that you're with us this morning, um, this Sunday morning, and uh, we're going to jump right in uh, to, uh, to what we have this morning. We uh, kicked off a series called Grace and Peace. Peace and Grace. Grace and peace, grace and peace. Uh, two weeks ago, Stu uh, kicked us off, and then Lauren did an amazing job last week around that as well. And uh, looking at the phrase that Paul used in all of his letters as he wrote in the New Testament, uh, grace and peace be with you. Uh, I preached on peace three weeks ago and the run up to Christmas, four weeks ago and the run up to Christmas. So it's probably only fair that I have a go at grace. So uh, I'm going to stick with that. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, why don't you turn to Matthew 11? Matthew 11, verse 28. While you turn there, uh, we're going to be hanging out there today for most of the day, uh, most of the morning. Um, I'm not going to keep you here all day. Um, But as you turn, a a little bit of backstory to this passage of Scripture, which is a beautiful passage of Scripture, but I think it's really, really helpful. Um, Jesus is in the region of Galilee at this moment in time, which is about 75 miles north of Jerusalem. He's been traveling from town to town, teaching and demonstrating the kingdom. And at the beginning of this chapter, this is quite important, Jesus addresses the doubt of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is labeled as one of the greatest disciples ever, yet he wrestled with doubt, even though he walked with Jesus in the flesh. Jesus kind of rounds up that segment by addressing the overall kind of atmosphere of the people, which is one of doubt and uncertainty, uh, and they're struggling to trust. Uh, And so really, God's really, or Jesus really pushing this idea of trusting God in the middle of turbulent and unpredictable circumstances circumstances sounds familiar. Um, So Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Eugene Peterson in the message words it like this, are you tired Worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let me pray before we jump in. Jesus, thank you that you're with us. God, thank you for your scriptures that is a light and a lamp to us. God, I pray as we open it, you'd help me. Help me share what uh, I sense and feel that you've put on my heart. God, I pray uh, that as we open your scriptures, your Holy Spirit would move among us, would speak to us and minister to us. God, I pray we'd leave encouraged and uplifted in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, A few months ago, I got married to the wonderful Jennifer, who's on the front row. Um, I, uh, 
I always envied people when they got up on stage and shared about um, when I when I was like single, not married. They always used these like sermon analogies around being married and having kids, and I was like, this is really unfair. I don't have any of those. So, um, so I usually talked about Manchester United, but after yesterday, definitely not talking about Manchester United. So, um, but a few months ago, we got we got married, and I'm learning this in all kind of relationships that there's one person in the relationship that kind of has it all together, um, like they're the ones who like love spreadsheets, like spreadsheets are just their thing. They love keeping a diary, knowing what's happening in a diary. They make sure everything's in the cupboard that needs to be in the cupboard. They're like the organized one in the relationship. And you might not know this or not, but that's, that's me. Um, it's not a big deal. It's just what I do. Um, I, I'm obviously kidding. If you know me, that's definitely, definitely Jennifer. But, um, but on the run-up to getting married, everyone was telling us about the last month as you, before you're getting married. It's kind of just crazy and a blur, and it definitely was. And as we were moving closer towards uh, the wedding day, um, truth be told, I didn't have a lot of responsible, responsibility when um, planning the wedding. I just had to make sure that I had a suit, and Stevie Bradley kind of took care of that. So I didn't really have much to do, whereas Jennifer was definitely maintaining all those uh, finer details. But as we were moving towards it, I had this idea. I was pretty tired, things were kind of busy and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what would be fun to do on the morning of my wedding with all my groomsmen and all my lads? You know what would be, you know be fun to do? A CrossFit workout. Let's, let's do that at seven o'clock in the morning on the day I'm getting married. And I had this, this idea that, you know, exercise, it always gives me more energy or at least endorphins. Like, I always feel good. I was like, this is a great idea. Like, it's the biggest day of my life. I'll go do a workout. I'll feel great. And, uh, and it'll be a great day. And I know what you're thinking. And people said to me as well at the start, like, it's Chris, it's your wedding day. Like, you're doing CrossFit. If you don't know what CrossFit is, I'm not even going to tell you. You're better just not knowing. But... Um, <laughs> But I, they were like, Chris, like, you don't want to, like, you definitely don't want to be fatigued. You don't want to pull a muscle. You're like, that's not what you want to do. Because later, like, it's your wedding day. Later on, you're going to be dancing. So that resonated with some. So, um, but I decided, I'm probably in trouble later on now, too. But, um, but I decided we're going to go for it. It'll be a great time. We'll, we'll do this. So I rocked up at the, at the gym at 7 o'clock in the morning. Me and my groomsmen and all my friends. Um, wedding nerves were starting to kick in. I just had a black coffee about half an hour before, so like, wasn't really feeling 100%. And we got into the gym and we're like, we're doing a, a team workout in groups of four. So the idea is that you do your workout in a group of four, one person works, three people rest, and you kind of work in rotation. So the idea is that it kind of manages the load. And I was like, this is great. About 20 minutes into it, all's kind of going okay. And then uh, two of the guys in the group decide that this isn't for them and they drop out. So my team has went from four to two. And I kind of look around and I'm like, should we just keep going? My friend Al was with me, who's definitely much fitter than me, and he was like, yeah, we'll, we'll just keep going. So to explain this, like, if we had 100 burpees to do, it was no longer 25 each with more rest. We were doing 50 each with half the amount of rest. So, but we decided, let's just go for it. Literally about 120 seconds later, uh, I was outside barfing all over the, all over the place. Uh, and I couldn't help but, but wonder, this is not how I imagined the like, most important day of my life to begin. Um, but it happened, by the time I got to breakfast, I, felt, I was feeling a little bit better. But what has that got to do with this? Doing a workout the morning of my wedding isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it could have worked out being a great thing. But there were some components in it that were off that ended up in a not very nice result. 
the load of for me and Al to carry was meant for four people and we were trying to do it as a two. And because of that, our pace was off. We rested less, we tried to do more, and everything was kind of out of sync. But most importantly, it was not sustainable. And what I thought was going to help me actually ended up backfiring. Over the past 18 months of a pandemic, I think it's revealed a lot about ourselves. For some of us, we've discovered that our relationship with Jesus is and was more of a social thing than a spiritual thing. Once the doors of a church closed, we struggled to sustain what life with Jesus looked like. And now as we enter into 2022, into a new year, we recognize this and want to make it a little bit better this year. We want to have a little bit more sustainability this year. And so we find ourselves in a new year trying to set new rhythms and habits, trying to erase and replace old ones. We look at our spiritual lives, our relational lives, our finances, our vocation, and we begin to set new goals for the year ahead, hoping that they're not short-lived, short-term things. Gym membership goes up. Church attendance rises, reading plans are implemented, books are bought. These are all good things, but they often start well and finish poorly, if at all. The reason that we set them every year is because they are not sustainable. So often our lives get full and these just become additions to our already, already busy life, an extra burden to carry in amongst everything that's going on. We add these things with the hope that we're gonna better our lives, we'll make more margin in our lives, we'll better the quality of our lives. But when things get too much, they feel more like a hindrance than a help, and they're difficult to sustain. Like doing CrossFit in the morning or wedding day when you're already tired may seem like a good idea in theory, but adding something to a already busy day may not make the most sense. What if this year, 2022, we didn't focus on us setting New Year's resolutions, but instead we looked to God at what he may want to set in our lives. I think, I was thinking about it this week, like we make these New Year's resolutions every year, you know, and there's like, they're get, like I feel like the older I get, the more peculiar people's like, re, like New Year's resolutions are, you know, like I'm going to do no carbs this year, I'm like, eat bread, you know, and um, <laughs> And like they just become more and more weird. And I think God is like is kind of like looking down at us, being like, "Look, oh, it's so cute that you guys are setting New Year's resolutions, isn't it? Like you think you know best, you know? We set all these little things, thinking they're going to better our lives. I think we need to focus on what God may want to set in our lives. What would it look like to not just invite God into parts of our lives, into days in our week, but to invite him and to, or sorry, to respond to his invitation to life and life to the full. I think more so than ever, our relationship with Jesus has become more of an addition, like a bolt-on to our lives rather than the entirety of it. The vast majority of us before COVID-19 struggled with some kind of fatigue and anxiety that never really seemed to go away. In the wake of the past 18 months, when we read verses about living freely and lightly, something's awakened in us. Something longs for that to be a reality, not just for a few weeks or a few months, not even just for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, but for the long haul. So let me ask you, 
Do you feel tired? Do you feel worn out? Do you even feel a little bit burned out? Are you struggling to see how going on like this is sustainable? If you look into the Greek of this passage, the words of Jesus is his invitation. These aren't just relaxed words that he's just kind of throwing off there. Jesus is pleading with these people. He's pleading with them because he knows the conditions of their lives, their hearts, and their souls. And he's longing for them to live a life that is full, but also rested and with him. The invitation of the easy yoke to rest to the unforced rhythms of grace, to live freely and lightly has not expired. It is still available today. And inside this small passage, I believe holds the key to unlock a whole new way of following Jesus, a whole new dimension in how to live. It sounds simple, yet it is very groundbreaking. If we want to live the life that Jesus lived, which was free from busyness and weariness and burnout, one that was sustainable season in, season out, then we must adapt the lifestyle of Jesus. We often focus on the theology, the ideas surrounding the teachings of Jesus, or the ethics, the do's and the don'ts. But Jesus is introducing a new way to live life here, a day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, sustainable, long-term solution on how to be human. And the solution is a yoke. Not what you had for breakfast, not how some of us refer to tractors. It's talking about something very different. Uh, the yoke in Greek, zygos, uh, refers to a wooden frame that would usually join two animals together, usually oxen. And it would be used to pull heavy loads in a direction. This image is metaphorical for us and our lives with Jesus, how we are supposed to live in connection with him. Zygos also refers to balance, how there's a perfect balance between that yoke, between us and Jesus. But if he's introducing a new yoke, a new way to live life, then what is the old one? The current yoke that Jesus is addressing is advocating a performance-based standing with God, a works-based righteousness mindset. What I mean when I say the word righteousness, by most simple definition, right standing with God. They're trying to do things that they think will help them stand right with God. They're walking through doubt and uncertainty and all these kind of things. And so in a frantic hurry, they're trying to do all these things to get themselves in right standing. And the self-righteousness approach imposed that what you did determined where you stood. It fueled a performance-based yoke. Jesus' invitation is a stark contrast to the burden of religion, do's and don'ts. His yoke, a metaphor for discipleship and life with him, promises rest from the weariness and the burden of religious regulation and human oppression, because it is none other than full commitment to him. But if I'm honest, I've got questions. The solution to rest is a work instrument. Frederick Dale Berner says this, a yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realized that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. 
Because instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus means that obedience to his Sermon on the Mount, his yoke, will develop us in a balance and a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way we've been living before. You know what's crazy? As we exited the first lockdown to take you back there, can you remember what everyone talked about when we were leaving that? It's where we're going to go on holidays. It's the one thing that consumed most of our conversation. I can't wait till restrictions are lifted so I can go to the south of France or wherever it may be. We ran to it as if it was the solution to how we were feeling over the last few months. And no matter how good a week or two weeks is, it is not a long-term fix. You see, Jesus is not wanting to be an addition, a New Year's resolution to what we are already carrying. He wants it to be the method in which we carry life. The hardest way, the hardest way to follow Jesus is to just make him a part of what you're already doing. The easiest way and the most life-giving way to follow Jesus is to completely and radically alter your entire life around his lifestyle. The easiest way is to make, to be a part of what he is already doing here. My infamous wedding day workout had two things that went wrong that affected the entire outcome. The load was too much for the two of us. It was meant for four, we were trying to do it as a two. And because of that, it affected our pace and our rest. And ultimately it led to us burning out. I think it's these same two components that when it comes to our life with Jesus, when these things are off, often we burn out. Often we don't live in the rest and the fullness that God has for us. So the first one, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, is load. People, as we said, are a little bit lost. The doubt has crept in. Fear is there. And generally they're overall confused. It's clear to see from this passage that the people cannot carry the weight of life. They are literally being crushed by it. God is trying to show us that we have limitations. We all have limitations. But the beauty of understanding our limitation is that it creates a segue for us to fully grasp and understand our potential. Genesis tells us that we're made from the dirt of the ground, that we're finite. Eventually, one day, we will perish but almost in the same sentence, it also tells us that we're made in the image of God, that we carry a divine mark, living both into our limitation and potentials, understanding that there are things that we cannot carry, nor should we attempt to. But we begin to see how his power is made perfect through our weakness, the weak made strong. Us shifting our dependency onto God, not ourselves, and living with a God gap, a gap that God has to fill in order for us to live day to day. Secondly, pace, which we'll spend a little bit more time on. Pace, which is the real key to the easy yoke. For us to come alongside a yoke, it means that we must adapt our pace to its pace. The example of Jesus and his life is clear. He lived a full life. The gospels show that clearly, but yet he was never once in a hurry. Dallas Willard says that hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day, that we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Hurry is violence to our souls, to our inner world, which often manifests in frustration and burnout. And hurry right now, today in 2022, I feel is one of the greatest temptations that we face to return to. Have you noticed what being in a hurry can do to you in traffic? You say things that you definitely can't say in church. And you start to use hand signals that are definitely not waves. 
It often brings out the worst in people. We often think that if we had more time, that would be the solution. And if we were to chat maybe 18 months ago when our lives were full and busy, we probably would have used phrases like that, like if I just had one more day in the week, a few extra hours on the end of this day, then things would be different, I would have more margin, things would not be as busy and frantic. We had a worldwide pandemic, a lockdown. Things stopped completely, but what's crazy is some of us found new ways to become even more busy than we were before. And because of it, our inner worlds suffered. Here's a quote from Michael Zigleri. It may be the case that Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to two, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and the cycle begins again. Let me help you understand this over the last little while. Number one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. Over the last 18 months, we find new ways to be busy. Some of us were actually more busy than we've ever been. And maybe actually in our lack of busyness, it reveals stuff that we never knew were there. That's a sermon for a whole other different time, but worth saying. To two, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives. Literally, God got pushed to the margin of our lives. I don't want to watch church online because it's not the same, or I'll watch it later and never get round to it. When church reopens, it's still not what it used to be, so I'm not really want to get back there. We begin to push God to the margins. We make more and more excuses around that, which leads to three, a deteriorating relationship with God. Deconstruction, doubt and fear creep in like never before. It's literally floating in the ether, which leads to four Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live. You know what's crazy, and I mean this with all love in my heart, is that I feel like when I chat to people or talk to people, what I feel is floating around my atmosphere is that some of us would rather take instruction from an intellect than saving from a savior. We will go to TikTok or YouTube or podcast, we'll pick up 12 rules for life, but we'll ignore the Bible, which is the very rule book and structure for us to live our lives to. Five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. In pursuit of trying to better the situation, to improve where we know we're at, we then begin to repeat the cycle all over again. We go back to find new ways to be busy. We push God even more to the margins. Deconstruction and doubt become more and more of a thing. We go to other places and other people for wisdom and counsel instead of looking to God, and the cycle continues. You know what's crazy and a very sobering thought is the definition of insanity is doing the same things over again and expecting a different result. We are literally spinning in circles. And if I'm being totally honest, if I was standing here this time last year, I was in that place. I had 12 months where I've probably never been more busy in my life, never tried to do more things in my life, never set more things for me to achieve or do, and the results never seemed to add up. 
I got more and more busy. I was consumed with doing God's work rather than trying to spend time with God. And where it left me was not in a very nice place. I continued to run in circles. We're referenced a lot in the Bible as sheep. It's an analogy that is used quite a bit. It's actually not really, no matter how cute you think sheep are, it's not really a compliment. Sheep are not smart animals. And it's what we're likened to. God is likened to a shepherd. As we walk into 2022, I think for some of us, we need to make a conscious and deliberate decision to give the shepherd his job back. And for us to take the lead, for him to take the lead, for us to come alongside him and to walk with him. Our temptation exiting lockdown is to once again go faster. Speeding up has never helped us and going faster has never been the solution. It is literally, by definition, insanity. Therefore, what do we do? Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. These are the words of Jesus. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me. This is the invitation. This is the pleading from Jesus. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company. Walk with them, work with them, watch how he does it. If the previous example was running in circles, this is walking in a straight line, side by side, in tandem. We discover direction and vision and purpose. We start moving into something new, places where God is inviting us into. Special forces operators have this slogan when it comes to urban combat, that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Modern infantry combat centers around mobility. If you can't move fast enough, you'll get pinned down. But if you move too fast, you'll get surrounded and outflanked. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. If the band want to come up as I come in the land. There is a literal pace to the unforced rhythms of grace. It comes right before we get to learn them. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. There's a pace in that instruction. There is a literal pace to grace. The life that Jesus lived illustrates this well as we spoke about Jesus fulfilled every messianic promise ever spoken over his life, every prophetic word, every prophetic declaration about the person of Jesus. He fulfilled them all, and he did it inside three years. And what's maybe even more crazy than that is that he never ran anywhere. He walked town to town, place to place king of the universe, and the only time we find him in a mode of transport which is an animal, is a donkey, which, by the way, is a walking animal. You see, peace, and this is what I feel is the key to the easy yoke for us living 
for the long haul and long term with Jesus. Pace is not fast or slow. Pace is set. This is so important. This was important before lockdown. This is important during a lockdown. This is important after lockdown. This is important for wherever we find ourselves right now. Pace is set and it is set inside the season. And the pace that God sets in our lives, God sustains. That's a promise. What he sets, he sustains. It's good news. The flip side is that what we set, we sustain. Therefore, the question is, what is God setting in your season of life? What does he want to sustain you through and walk with you through? What do I mean by grace? I mean the unmerited favor of heaven on your life. Nothing you did to earn it, a gift. There's a, a story from the life of Jesus that um, I think is, is beautiful and betrays this perfectly. In the, the book of Mark, we read the story of Jairus and his daughter. Jairus was a synagogue leader. And he arrived to Jesus when his daughter was sick and dying. She was quite literally arriving at her deathbed at a rapid rate. And he arrives to Jesus frantic, look, my daughter is, is dying. I need you to, to come and intervene in this situation. And so Jesus begins hearing what Jairus has to say. He begins to move towards um, Jairus' daughter. He, he sets off to arrive at her destination. And at this moment in Jesus' ministry, he's in full swing. He's in full flow. People are all around him. There's a crowd. People want to know what this guy Jesus is all about. They've heard things. They've seen things. They are caught up in everything that's going on. And so they, when Jesus moves, there's a crowd around him. There's literally a massive crowd surrounding him. And I'm sure as Jesus is walking towards that, that destination, Jairus is like frantic. And you'd be the same if it was your daughter. He's probably like trying to hurry them on. Why aren't we running? He's trying to do all these sorts of things. It's almost like a representation of culture around us that we must speed up. We must keep up. We must make sure we're in line with everything else that's going around us. We need to hurry to the next thing as fast as we can. But Jesus continues to walk. And whilst he's walking, he passes a temple. And as he passes the temple, there's a, a woman lying on a, on a rug outside it. That woman's had a bleeding problem for many years. She sought every kind of solution around it, and she has never got one. Not only is she uh, sick and not well, but because of her condition, she's an outcast. She's pushed to the margins of society. She is left with no dig dignity and she's left to remain on a tiny rug. Her life is literally restricted to a rug. And as Jesus is walking past and there's a crowd around her, she notices and she has this moment full of faith where she jumps up and breaks through the crowd and she touches the cloak of Jesus. And as she touches the cloak of Jesus in a moment and an instant, she is immediately healed. Beyond even being healed, she is restored as a human, which is again something else, a sermon for a different day. But it's a beautiful moment. As Jesus realized this has happened, he turns around and he says to his disciples and Jairus, who touched me? And uh, there's, there's probably a chuckle among them, like, you, like you're surrounded by people right now. There's people who literally were trying to fend off from you and you want to know who's touched you. And she's like, no, power has left my body. Someone has been healed. And as Jesus turns around, the woman is on her knees. She has been completely healed. Jesus turns to her and says, your faith has made you well. 
go on. She stands up and she lives into a life uh, full of freedom and full of grace. And I, this isn't in the scriptures, but I think this is an assumption that we can make. I think it's something that we can pull from this and learn from this. If Jesus runs, that girl never experiences freedom. If he runs in a rush to where he needs to go, she misses out. Around that same moment, Jairus' daughter, she, they get word that she's actually died. And Jairus is like, what's the point? Let's just give up. There's no point going on. She's already dead. Jesus continues to go in, walks in the situation, cracks a joke. She's just sleeping. She's not dead. Only Jesus can do that. And proceeds then to raise her from the dead performing a miracle even greater, displaying that he is truly the Son of God in a way that precedes the previous situation. There was a grace on the pace in which he moved. And for us, that is the same invitation that we have, that when we come alongside God, when we keep company with him, we get to learn his pace, the pace that he sets and what he sustains. It is what will sustain us for the long haul. The scriptures are littered with this. The key is to keep company with him, to get close to him. In the Psalms, we read that in the shadows of his wings, we find refuge. Why is it a shadow? Because you have to be close to someone to be in their shadows. We, Psalm 23, my, my grandmother's here. She used to read it over me all the time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He goes before me, defender behind me, is rolling the staff, they comfort me. His staff would have hooked the sheep in us that wander sometimes or maybe want to rush ahead. It's his staff that pull us close to him. John 15, he who abides in me, I will abide in him. It is littered throughout the whole of scriptures. We must keep company with him. We must stay close to him because when we do, we align our pace with his pace. He sustains the pace that he sets in our lives. And we get to do this not for a flash in the pan, but for the long haul. So the question is, what pace is God setting in your life? As I said at the start, pace is set. It's not fast or slow. I've had moments and years in my life where I've got this horribly wrong. And I've had moments and seasons where I feel like I've got this right. The last 12 months, I got engaged, married, bought a house, moved in planned the wedding, kind of, Jenny did most of it, and, um, and also even shifted how we decided to do youth ministry. We shifted direction and started pursuing what alphas would look like in, in schools. We've seen loads of stuff happen. It's been full and it's been busy, but do I feel tired? Sometimes, but by most not really. Do I feel worn out? No. Do I feel burnt out? No. Because there was a grace on the pace that God was setting in this season. That is available to us, each of us. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus is pleading with us this morning. Come under my yoke. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And so I can teach on this till I'm blue in the face or till the next service rolls in. But I can't do this for you. I can't get you or convince you to keep company with God. That's a decision that you make, that you align with. 
And so I want to leave a moment as we come into land. These guys are going to sing for us. We're not, I'm not going to hype this up or build this up or do anything like that. We're going to create a moment. We're going to welcome the Holy Spirit to come. And for each of you, I'm, I'm not even, usually I pray for you in this moment. I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray and respond to the pleading of Jesus to align your peace with his peace and for him to sustain you and for him to set it. So Holy Spirit, welcome you. Welcome you. Dwell among us. Speak to us. Come alongside us. Jesus. If you're able, why don't you stand and join me uh, as we come in the land. Um, two, two quick things. Um, I don't have kids. I had a dog for a while, but he's uh, mum got to keep him. So, um, but uh, there's a beautiful thing that happens with uh, babies whenever they're held by their father. Is eventually their heartbeat and the pace of their heartbeat will align with their father's heartbeat. It's a beautiful picture of a father holding a child, which is helpless and dependent on his father. Yet when they get close, there's an alignment that happens. I just sense for some of us as we leave this space, as you take this into the smaller spaces of your life and you align yourself, you'll, you'll begin to sense that and you'll begin to draw close to that. Um, second, I, I feel that there's a decision for some of us to make um, for us to give the shepherd his job back in 2022, to let him be the shepherd and for you to lack nothing because of that. And that's a decision and something for you guys to sit with. And then the last thing I want to say is this thing of peace, the trajectory that God sets, the peace that he sets, it always, always moves towards people, moves towards the broken and the marginalized. If you want to know where to start, start moving towards people. Watch how there's a grace on that. Watch how God shows up in that. And uh, it's beautiful as you connect with community around that. Let me pray for us. and. Uh, you guys can go. Jesus, thank you that you're with us. God, I thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you lead and guide us, but you also come alongside us. You share the load. You meet us way more than halfway. God, I pray as we go from here, we would align ourselves with your peace, what you're setting in our lives, and we would experience you sustaining us through season in, season out. And the Holy Spirit move and minister to our hearts, minister to our souls and to our lives. God, we speak a reset into our community, a change of peace, a fruitful change of peace in our community where your grace is on it. What a shame if we just return to the way things were. God, we want to go where you're going and where you're leading and where you're holding us alongside in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat.